and my fellow Pennsylvanians. This state's electoral votes are key to who wins the presidency, and both of the candidates know it. We win Pennsylvania, we win the whole deal, you know that. Just like last night. But states like Pennsylvania are going to be incredibly important. The only thing left on the board is Pennsylvania. The president cannot get to the finish line without the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. One state all four candidates are visiting today is Pennsylvania. Its 20 electoral votes are highly coveted, and the Keystone State could end up being one of the determining factors in the race. Jill's a Philly girl. Well, I'm a screen guy. Oh, Pennsylvania. We love Pennsylvania. In our final episode of Northwest PA, we're really lucky to sit down with Christy Genevis. She grew up on a farm in Erie County. She's a public school teacher and a proud union member with PSCA, and she ran for Congress last cycle. Her congressional campaign, it inspired brand new activists and built a diverse coalition from Butler County, making our way north up to Erie County. So I'm looking forward to hearing Christy's perspective on the region and lessons she learned from the 2020 cycle. With an eye to next year, I'm positive that we'll glean very useful advice. It's pretty good to see you, Mike you Kelly. Know, I know, Mike. From right about Pittsburgh up to Erie. Uh, thanks so much. What an exciting summer we had together. We I did okay there. Oh, we, we, we did better than okay. We took an area that wasn't a big Republican area, and it was we swamped them, right? We did. We did. 34 <laughs> years uh, since Erie actually voted for a Republican. Wow. Thanks yeah, to you. Well, thank you very much. Christy Genevis, welcome to my kitchen table. Happy to be here. So much, so much to discuss now that the dust has settled from such a long and winding road in 2020. Where to even begin? Uh, you live in Erie, but you got familiar with uh, the back roads of all the counties around Erie. But tell uh, folks a little about your, your background before you even took the plunge to run for Congress. Sure. Uh, so I am a single mother of two teenage girls, a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old now. I'm a high school teacher. I teach culinary arts. And I have my master's in education and curriculum, my principal certification, and I'm finishing up my PhD. And uh, a lot of what led me to this road is uh, really my journey and my path through life and some of the hardships that I went through that I started to realize that so many other folks went through as well. And, you know, one of those things being the big thing that was uh, part of the deciding factor of how people were voting in 2020, which would be healthcare. Uh, I had cancer when I was 20. And I experienced what it was like not to have healthcare and have cancer, and then also becoming a single mom shortly after that. So who I am, you know, what I do, all of that kind of plays a part into why I did take that plunge to run for office. Wow. I, I got to ask you, what, what's your favorite recipe and what's your student's favorite recipe? <laughs> My favorite recipe, I love anything Italian. I love making pasta from scratch if I have the time uh, and if I'm feeling really into it. So that's my favorite thing to do. My student's favorite recipe is, I would say, um, pizza from scratch. And they get to make it any way they want. And, you know, most kids like making pizza and eating pizza. So uh, I would say that for sure. And did I understand you're, you're working on your PhD or you've already defended it? I have not defended yet. I'm in the dissertation phase right now. So I will be proposing soon. <laughs> Give listeners a little sneak peek. What a uh, <laughs> so my dissertation is on teacher persistence and what teachers perceive as career success, specifically in year four to five. Uh, that's when we find by year five, if teachers are going to leave the field, they usually do it before year five. So what is it that's keeping teachers in the field? How can we capitalize on that? How can we, you know, make teachers stay, make them feel important, um, valued? Uh, so that's really where my my research is. 
You're pursuing this uh, up in Northwest PA or at another institution? Yeah, in Gannon. Uh, oh, in Gannon. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Uh, so are you are you born and bred uh, Northwest PA? I was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, oh, actually. Wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> but my family is from Erie. We moved back to Erie shortly after. So I've been here my whole life. So pretty much. <laughs> and this is in the city or, or the county? So I live in the county. I lived in the city for several years when I was younger. And then my first home was in the city. But now I live in Mill Creek Township. And which uh, school district? Mill Creek. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Look, I mean, uh, for better or worse, I think for worse, uh, more than half of our country doesn't even come out and vote on average. Uh, what convinced you to make the plunge? I mean, to go all in and put your name on the ballot, that's a huge, huge uh, change, it sounds like, to go from the classroom to yeah. uh, the campaign trail. Yeah, you referenced, uh, <laughs> you referenced healthcare, obviously, that's, yeah. that, that's, that's, that's top of mind for many voters. But sure. to just give folks a, a sense of what was it something in 2017? Was it in 2019? At what point did this begin to crystallize? I would say in 2018, after seeing the results of 2018 and seeing the significant strides uh, that Democrats were making, and particularly women were making, it it really excited me. Because my PhD, uh, even though I'm focusing on teacher, my research is in teacher persistence, it's really in leadership. It's an organizational learning and leadership PhD. And so I knew that I wanted to take my experiences and, and use them for good and use them to be a leader in my community. I was already doing a lot of uh, service work at that time, joining boards, uh, doing whatever I could in my community. And the more I started to do that and talk to folks, the more I realized that folks were really looking for somebody that looked like them. And so was I, you know, when I was looking to my leaders and seeing that, well, none of these people really reflected me at all. You know, certainly not my congressperson, uh, a lot of my representatives, they didn't come from a background like me. They didn't understand the struggle. So when we're fighting for things like education and healthcare equality, they didn't even understand because they never had to go through that. And I started to see that maybe I could be that person. You know, I, of course, a lot of folks go through that imposter syndrome of, I'm not sure if I really could, you know, I'm, I'm just a teacher, or I'm just a mom, or I'm just this or that. But I started to realize that that's not the case. People do want somebody that they can relate with. And so right after the election, 2018, I reached out to my county chairman, Jim Wirtz, here in Erie County, and I just let him know that I was incredibly interested in pursuing office. And in any way that would, I could lend my lived experiences. And so we just kind of brewed on it for a while. And and back and forth, uh, thought about what that could be. And actually, I was on vacation visiting my sister in Texas. And he texted me, I, I believe it was a text. And he's like, you know, this, I have a crazy idea. And I was like, Oh, I know what it is. <laughs> I already know what you're gonna ask. You're, <laughs> you're looking for someone to run against Mike Kelly. <laughs> and I was right. It didn't take much convincing for me because I knew that Mike Kelly wasn't the right person for our district. And, and certainly not for many, many folks. And so I went all in. And uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly glad that I did. Certainly not the results I wanted, but, and that many people wanted, but I am certainly glad I did it. Well, I am too. I think a lot of our listeners are, you know, we don't have uh, as many listeners up in Northwest PA, but uh, elsewhere around the Commonwealth. So, and, and beyond in Washington, New York, elsewhere. So remind folks that the congressional district, because it goes well beyond the city of Erie and Erie County. Sure. And Congressman Kelly is not even from, uh, from Erie. And no. so- yeah, give a little give a little perspective <laughs> on the diversity of uh, the counties. It's really diverse. It's uh, and in quite large. So we have Erie County, and that's where I'm from, up by the lake. 
we have Crawford County, we have Mercer County, we have Lawrence County, and we have a large chunk of Butler County. And that is where Mike Kelly resides and is from, is down uh, the furthest county away from Erie down in Butler. So very large, a lot of rural area, you know, little townships, you know, municipalities all throughout. I spent a lot of time trying to visit as many places as possible because I really took it to heart. Regardless of COVID, obviously being as safe as possible, whenever we could, we were outdoors, masked, trying to meet with folks, letting them know that they deserve a representative that shows up for them. Um, I tried to show up for everybody and that's not, you know, I always said, if I got elected, it's not, I'm not just a Democrat's representative. I am everyone's representative. Even if you don't vote, I'm your representative, you're a constituent. So very diverse, but honestly, an awesome community of people, regardless of the, the, the diversity and how difficult it was, especially when it comes to political party. I think everyone still is looking for the same thing and that's somebody to show up for them. You also have diversity uh, amongst Bills fans, Browns fans, and Steelers <laughs> fans. Uh, so it takes an adroit politician to navigate that. Yeah. Hey, we're, we're in Olympic season, and <laughs> I, I think everyone would give Erie County and Chairman Wirtz a, a gold medal. Yeah. But really, when you look across 67 counties, what's happening in Erie is incredible. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to put you on the spot to rank the, uh, the other counties, but give listeners a sense of democratic infrastructure that either through the party or indivisible, et cetera, that, sure. uh, that you encountered in some of these redder counties? You know, of course, Erie's back to blue. Uh, just like that organization, we really were able to swing back uh, blue. So we have a great, you know, Democratic coalition here in Erie County. Crawford County, I would say the rural, most rural of all five counties, well, least populated. And so that was difficult. Uh, Meadville, where Allegheny College is, is like that little blue dot kind of in the sea of red. So if you look at the election results at Crawford County, if you zoom in on Meadville, where that college is, it's actually blue. And then everything outside of it is red, but it's also very sparsely populated. I'm sorry, can I just interject? I, I was pleasantly surprised to see that the Biden ticket found upward of 2,000 more votes in Crawford County. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the, the Trump ticket found about 4,000 more votes. This is 16 versus 20 numbers. Yeah. So. Would you attribute that all to uh, Allegheny and, and, and fired up students and academics or was there something more going down there? You know, I think a lot of it go, you know, is that, of course, but there there were some amazing groups that were visiting some of the more rural communities, especially in the manufacturing areas. Some of the places that I would visit were at manufacturing plants and um, really kind of rallying up folks to get out there and vote that normally either don't vote or maybe we're Republican, but we're looking for something different, um, especially when it came to the, you know, infrastructure and, and jobs. Because I would say Crawford County, that Meadville area and surrounding Titusville, especially lost a lot of that. And they were looking, you know, looking for it. But I could go on about where those Trump votes came from. <laughs> but yeah, well, I think I think listeners would be curious. Well, about that, right. I think as we go county by county in Preparation to sit down, Christy. I was I was surprised that I mean, there's significant jump in each of these counties mm-hmm. to find four thousand, five thousand, six thousand more votes in much more. You know, these are small small counties. Uh, mm-hmm. I suppose the other side had a field operation. They certainly had a message. Many listeners disagree with that message, but what do you what what, what do you think it was? And did you get a sense there was going to be that kind of wave of of red? It was like surprising and not surprising at the same time. I remember waking up on election day and I started down. I traveled the night before down to the Zelenopol area down in Butler, and I stayed over so that I could wake up 6 a.m. and you know start hitting um, the different polling locations. And as soon as I saw the lines 
which normally is a good thing, but it wasn't a good thing this election because we knew that a large portion of Democrats voted by mail. And so when we saw these lines wrapping around the building multiple times <laughs> in more rural areas, we knew that they, they were Republicans and we knew that it was uh, trouble. And um, when you look at their election results through all the counties, we, I mean, the polling was wrong. The polling was wrong for almost everybody. You know, the best pollsters had it wrong. Yeah, you know, Biden won by the skin of his teeth in some areas. And, you know, we really have to thank some of our larger populated areas for that because Trump was able to find voters that normally don't vote. And so we had no way to account for them. We had no way to even estimate that these voters existed because there a lot of them were first time voters or very sporadic voters. And so when you, you know, pull into this equation, this this crazy math of, of polling, it was really difficult to even gauge that they were even in existence until the, it was too late. It was. And they showed up on election day. And that was that was really problematic for all the down ballots because that really hurt us in some of these these more rural areas where we could not predict that these folks would be coming out to vote. They found a coalition of people that, and when I I, I kind of said this at the beginning, you know, people are looking for you know someone to show up for them or to belong. And I grew up in a rural community, even though I'm from Erie. I grew up on a hundred acre farm and this little little township called Greenfield Township. And I remember thinking that government really had nothing to do with do with us out there. We didn't have internet. We didn't have, of course, we, we certainly didn't have anything like broadband or anything like that. Our roads were never taken care of. No one came to plow us out when we needed to get out. Like we really took care of ourselves. And so the mentality, I think, in some of these more rural communities is they feel left behind and they felt left out. And then they found, I feel like a lot of these folks found like they found a belonging with the Trump administration. The people that got left behind found like they belong there. Or they felt like they belong because everyone was allowed to be a part of that coalition. And I think that's where we're, as Democrats, we really need to, to shift our thinking and our messaging because we are a large umbrella and we need to really start figuring out how we're going to message to these rural folks because we do need to take care of the, you know, the rural population. And a lot of times I think our messaging is really focused more towards our cities and our suburbias. And it really leaves out these, these rural populations. And that kind of goes to show what we saw down ballot across uh, Pennsylvania and across the nation. We lost a, a handful of Congress people that won in 18 and they lost in 2020. So a lot, a lot to unpackage. Yeah. There. But first, uh, what, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know about your, uh, your folks farm. What were they growing or, or are they still growing? No, uh, my mom left the farming life. I was uh, several years ago and she now lives in a little suburbia uh, called Harbor Creek her retirement. <laughs> She's like, now that you guys are gone, I can't do this on my own. And I don't blame her. But when you, when, when, when you were growing up, what, uh, what was, what was on the farm? Um, so we had, uh, we mostly did crops and cows and we, we had neighboring farms that, uh, we would share with. And that sounds really funny, but we were like, we called ourselves more of like the bartering farm. Um, cause it was just me, my sister and my mom. And so there was a lot that we couldn't do. So we negotiated with the neighboring farms if they could use our land for crops and if we would help out in the summer, that they would give us a cow or a pig every year. <laughs> so <laughs> that is what we did. This would make uh, William Penn and our <laughs> founding fathers. Uh, uh, yeah. I feel like this is what happened back uh, back in the <laughs> really? day. You mentioned polling. Mm -hmm. And I remind listeners uh, to check out our one of our first episodes with Professor Chris Bork, uh, the pollster and uh, academic out of um, Muhlenberg College in Allentown, who had a lot to say about why the polls were so mm -hmm. off. 
But I want to go back. So uh, as you were putting together your coalition mm -hmm. uh, to win the primary and then uh, to take on Mike Kelly, you referenced manufacturing, you referenced the uh, blue uh, pockets like in Meadville. Give folks a sense. Uh, I, I'm just curious what, what kind of went into uh, was it fellow teachers? Uh, uh, what was what was your kitchen cabinet, and then your broader volunteer base? Yeah, the first you know thing that I did when I I ran is of course you call every county chair, and then you get them on board in the primary. You know, I always tell folks if they want to be successful, and if there is a primary, and if you're running across multiple counties, you need the chair to be behind you. And so I did that pretty early on. I called and uh, all the chairs and then I met with them and I pled my case <laughs> so that I got their support really early on. So when other folks did jump into the race, I already I already had that support from the county chairs. And then, of course, you know, whomever followed along with that uh, with them. And I made sure I went to all those meetings. You know, the easiest thing to do is, is OK, we're Democrats. So let's win Democrats. Right. You know, a lot of people are like, we need to win Republicans. Well, before you can even do that, you need to get Democrats on your side. And um, I think we often forget that, that we are Democrats and we need to win Democrats. And I think the, the way that we do that is, of course, we need some crossover. Of course we do. But more than anything, we need to get Democrats out there to vote. And so my biggest thing was to find folks that had, you know, similar backgrounds to me. So that was teaching or, you know, teachers. So it was talking to the teachers union. I'm in the teachers union. So that was an easy one for me. But unions in general, I made sure I tried to follow alongside as, as many unions as possible, show up to their meetings and, and garner their support as well. As many folks know, uh, just because you're union does not mean you're a Democrat. So if I did gain any crossover votes, I hope it was some of those folks for sure. And then you know, uh, my kitchen cabinet, it's, it's, it's going to be folks that ran before it was folks that were running in different areas, but throughout the congressional district that was running when they were having an event, I want to know about it. I want to show up at it. You know, if it was down in Butler, someone running in Butler, if it was Colby Cole, who was running, uh, she had a Lawrence and Beaver, I would show up in the events that she had in Lawrence. Um, you know, the things that were happening throughout the County as, as far as, uh, you know, again, trying to win folks that are Republican, it was more just showing up. And if they were willing to listen and if they, or if they wanted to talk to me about what was going on and I, you know, I was all for it. But uh, again, I think the biggest thing is we need to win Democrats more than anything. So let me ask you, uh, just going back to the, the beginning. So with each of the counties and you, you talk about support, yeah. I think our listeners can certainly think of anecdotes and over the two dozen or so episodes we've had so far, county parties have evolved. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess in short is what sure. I'm trying to say. What does support mean? Uh, were they handing you uh, thousands of email addresses? Are they printing their own door knockers for you? <laughs> if I could put you on the spot, I, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> see you smiling across the table it's here. It's funny so. because, you know, as we know, and that was one of the hardest things for me is fundraising. This is not an incredibly wealthy area. If you look at donors across the state, Western Pennsylvania, north of Allegheny, it's, it's, we're not donors. Um, we're just generally are not. So that that was really tough. Um, and so that also goes along with your county party. County parties, some county parties had more money than others. So of course, you know, Erie was able to to, you know, raise a good amount of money for their own. And so they had, you know, they had door hangers, they had signs, they had ads and papers, um, different things like that. The other counties did do some of that, just maybe not as much. I would say almost all of them really stepped up and did a phenomenal job in trying to uh, get out the vote, trying to advertise on behalf of uh, Democrats up and down the ballot. And again, it was just more than others. It, you know, some counties could do more than others. Butler did a really great job, you know, all the way on the other side. They had billboards 
you know, and they were super proud of that. They raised money for billboards and it was something that they were incredibly proud of. They sent out mail, they did postcards, same with, you know, all of the counties contributed in some way. Um, some of them were from other groups more than the actual county party. Some of the indivisible groups, um, there's a group that was amazing. It was called Lawrence County United, for example. Um, they were awesome. They consistently had meetings. They would make phone calls, knock doors, uh, write postcards, whatever it is that you asked of. Um, they were always on board to do it. You know, so every county kind of contributed in their own way at their own level. And it just depended um, on how active the coalitions were, whether it was the county party or, you know, some of the other ones and how much money they had. A lot of these counties, uh, the voter registration is pretty even, even though uh, they might be voting uh, uh, much more redder. But they, there's still a lot of registered Democrats that are clearly voting for Republicans uh, or just not mm-hmm. showing up. You referenced the organized labor. Um, I, I assume it's PSEA yeah. uh, you're a member of. Well, I've seen the power of their phone banks. So give listeners a sense of, um, I think if I heard you correctly, and this is definitely a theme of 2020, there was a disconnect between international presidents and local presidents and then rank and file uh, brothers mm-hmm. and sisters. But you give folks a sense of some of the, the, the unions that you engaged. And if you had a sense even months out from the election that even though the leadership might be on the Biden camp and mm-hmm. the D column, rank and file were yeah. not. That's tough. I, you know, I, I try to remind folks that, you know, I could only gauge so much because at a certain point in my campaign, when COVID happened, I, I mean, it was incredibly tough because meetings kind of went to a halt. And in-person things, you know, ceased or were far and few in between. You know, I, I would say I only know from the numbers, you know, and what most people know. And I, I do know from, you know, talking to some folks, um, some of the, the disconnect. But I would say in the trades, it, it, it was harder for, for sure. You know, in the unions that where it was more labor intense, there was definitely more of a divide there. And um, in some of the other... Uh, of course, is like, you know, the nurses and the teachers and whatnot, that was a lot easier to coalesce and get a support group from. But um, in the labor, labor sectors, that was just so much harder. And, and then on top of that, us candidates not being able to go out like we normally would to really have these one on one conversations with some of these folks that are in the field, or even the door to door that we normally would do um, at a much earlier rate. I, I think that really hurt us. And I again, I, I can only guess in, or only say what I know from the numbers, but that that really was it, you know, for, for us. I, I feel like since we weren't able to physically show up as much as we normally would have, that hurt us when it came to the different unions. And because the union leaders were all on board, you know, even, you know, folks in the gas, uh, you know, the miners and all of that, they were team, like a lot of them were team Biden and down ticket as well, or down ballot, but um not being able to get in front of, uh, you know, the different brothers and sisters, as many people call them, it was really tough, really hard. So I could only, I could only just speculate. You've been super generous with your time. And as we wind down, I, I got to ask you, uh, in our two previous conversations uh, in Northwest PA, there was talk of uh, a great term, new Americans, these first generation naturalized citizens, uh, primarily in the city of Erie, uh, from all over the world, who now call Pennsylvania home. So be real curious to what extent your your congressional campaign engaged with them. We, uh, I know on a previous episode, you talked to EJ Fike, who also worked um, on my campaign and then worked for the party. We tried incredibly hard and very early on. It was in- very, very important, especially to Erie County, because we do have such a large population of new Americans. And I think that is what it's all about, you know, and I would talk to, you know, EJ and many, many folks about this. 
what is America about? I mean, the point, (laughs) right, is to include everyone and to give folks that that choice or that opportunity for the American dream. And who better to really showcase that and to do that than our new Americans. And we do have such a large population of them here in Western Pennsylvania, and and certainly in particular in, in Erie County. And so we were engaging with them as much as possible. It was a huge part of our campaign and a huge part of the Democrats campaign uh, here in Erie, for sure. And so that meant going to, you know, the places that they worship, that meant helping out with food drives, that meant knocking on their doors, that meant making phone calls and showing them how important this is to them and to the community that they live in and how important their vote really is to this election. What advice would you give? Uh, we have we have uh, statewide candidates and their campaign managers to listen to sure. the show. It doesn't look like we're going to have any statewide candidates uh, coming from Erie or from Northwest PA this cycle, but what advice would you give to them? And then corollary to that is what advice would you give to first-time candidates, uh, wherever they might be running and whatever office they might be seeking in Pennsylvania? Uh, you know, the advice I would give to the candidates uh, statewide, I know that we're getting a lot of action here in Erie County. They're at least coming to visit us a lot. They see how important uh, Erie is, how important Western Pennsylvania is is to really show up for us. We, I think we often feel like here in Western Pennsylvania, north of Allegheny, north of Pittsburgh, I think we feel like we're not even part of the rest of the state at times, if that makes sense. It's just like, this, it's almost kind of like this running joke, right? Like there's this huge divide. You know, when people talk about Pennsylvania, they talk about Philly or they talk about Pittsburgh. They don't even know that we exist. So showing up for us, uh, you know, making us feel like we're part of it, that you're going to work for us as well, because we have a lot to offer here in Western Pennsylvania. Um, There's a lot of untapped resources and things that could happen here. Real game changers, I think, right here, right? You know, of course, we're, you know, Buffalo, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, we're kind of in this really sweet spot that a lot of great things could happen. So come visit us, talk to us, make us feel important. We are important. The other thing for candidates, new candidates is, you know, surround yourself with a great team because your team is everything. The people that are around you all of the time are really can often make or break uh, your chances of winning or uh, at least being successful in whatever that looks like, because it's not always winning. That is success. And so surround yourself with good people. And that means talking to as many people as possible. And that's not texting. That is the old fashioned picking up the phone and actually calling people or showing up and actually uh, talking to them in person. It's so incredibly important. And they say it's all in who you know. And in many ways, it really is. It's, it's networking and, and talking to people. And really, the theme here is just showing up for people. If you want to win, you need to look like and be that kind of person that shows up because that's the kind of representative or that's the kind of elected official that we want is somebody, regardless of how difficult it is, regardless of the demographics, Republican, independent, Democrat, whatever, you're going to show up. And so that would be my advice. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Pennsylvania Kitchen Table Politics. As Hillary Clinton used to say, it takes a village. This podcast would not be possible without the help of Sarah McGrath and Jake Schwartz. If you liked this discussion, we would love for you to give us a review, subscribe, and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a suggestion on a future guest and other feedback, visit our website, papoliticspodcast.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at PA Political Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn.